0: I'm Kurt, and you're listening to Kat and Kurt's TV Review.
1: Welcome to episode 168, Let's Make With the Fun. This week we're discussing season 2, episode 9 of Battlestar Galactica, Flight of the Phoenix, and season 6, episode 9 of Buffy, Smashed.
0: As always, we suggest you watch the episodes before you listen to the podcast. Also, if you haven't done so already, you may want to listen to our first podcast to get an idea of our methodology. All right, so uh, BSG, Flight of the Phoenix, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Uh, so, and actually, I didn't. Yet, we didn't even really talk about whether or not to talk about the title. <laughs> oh um, yeah, but like, you know, the the. I don't know if you have anything to say up front, but I I was sort of thinking thematically. Like, there's some mm. stuff we might want to say about it. Um, especially given, like, the the new ship that Turo builds and kind of the maybe more metaphorical stuff that happens in the episode. but Sure. Any, um, any thoughts?
1: Well, I mean, kind of wondering if we should, if we can remember, come back around to it at the end, because I feel like talking about the title is to talk about, like, it is very, like, thematically woven with the story, and you have kind of all these suggestions of you know hope and rebirth and you know things rising from their own ashes and that sort of thing um not to mention the fact that there's a a, you know not a phoenix with the blackbird and everything so there's a sort of bird connection there
0: um in in the dead of night um yeah yeah, so like i i added a bullet at the end of our notes to say episode title okay at the end there so um, now the question is: Will we remember? Will we look at the notes? At Doesn't the always notes. happen <laughs> because I feel like about eighty percent of the time we just kind of go off on our own sure. anyway. Um, but yeah, it's there, and maybe we'll talk about it. Maybe we won't. We see—you never it's know. Always, it's always a surprise when you listen. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, let's talk about uh, what happens in the episode because um, I wanted to start. Not so much you know with the plot stuff, although i I think we'll you know sort of generally work our way through the plot um as we talk about this stuff, but like I more wanted to talk about the mood mm. and um especially you know kind of at the beginning and and sort of talk about the different things that are happening um so you have like uh well, and here I'm going off script already. You have like D getting knocked over mm-hmm. um, you know, by some like power surge or whatever. And that of course like upsets a lot of people and like Ty gets upset and like you know, yells at Geta to like look through every line of code. Like this this is like the, the stereotypical manager who knows nothing about computer yeah. programming you 're yeah. going to look at every line of code and get is like that that makes no sense like you don't you don 't do that that 's not how you yeah. i mean yes, okay, sometimes you have to look at like lines of code, but you don 't like code isn 't like a book you know like you don 't right. read it from top right. to bottom kind of thing um,
1: no that 's uh one of my favorite scenes like because it 's such a relatable moment I think for anybody who 's you know been that kind of person who handles stuff in an office you know like you're not the manager you're not the big picture you're the person who's like do whatever it is and to have to be (laughs) told
0: do things you don't well yeah like you know
1: (laughs) not that management isn't its own kind of skill or has its own hardships but like you know what i mean like you know um i think anybody who's you know had at some point in their career, a job like that, it's like you've been told to do something totally impractical. Um, and watching Gaeta go through the the layers, it's almost like processing this request from the kind of initial disbelief of like, what did you just ask me? To the kind of exasperated, let me explain to this idiot why I can't do this. And then finally just like, like has to flip out because you know there's no other way to react to it um yeah i enjoy that scene um which just before we get back to the larger mood just on a character note having gata snap is sort of a noteworthy thing you know like the fact that the right. whole the whole cic stops and stares because like this is a thing that doesn't happen
0: <laughs> you know well and and you get the sense that that's part of why Gate is in that position is because right. he he doesn't he's not the one to you know crack under pressure, and yeah. crack under yeah. pressure yeah like like he's you know the CIC is literally the central command of right. of the ship and you know other ships too like so so having that cool under fire is obviously right. you know a, not only a desirable skill but an essential skill and and something that if he didn't have like he wouldn't have made it in that right place where he right. is right right this
1: isn't the deck crew where like you're breaking up fights every couple minutes like somebody's sure. always that's just kind of how they roll down there whereas right. like this is a very different environment right. so this stands out like you know a sore thumb and everything um, um but right. I think it, it, as well as being an interesting new note for that character, like, you do kind of see, okay, stuff like this is happening all over. And I like the right. way, without referencing the last episode, it follows up the stuff in the last episode from the documentary of what Deanna started to investigate in terms of, like, the burnout of the crew. Like, in all sure. of those interviews, they're talking about how stressed they are, how tired, how they're never going to get a break. There's nobody to replace them, all this stuff. And then they're talking about it in that episode. And I feel like in this one, you start to like, see it that the people are starting to sort of fray and crack under the pressure and everything. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, so, right. So you get, you know, the physical trauma to D and you mm-hmm. get sort of the frustration and emotional stuff with Gaeta. Mm-hmm. Um And, I mean, typical, I, like, I, I would say even, like, like, Ty's insistence on, like, going through the code line by line. Like, yes, to some extent, that's just him being ignorant manager guy, but, mm-hmm. like, like, for him to get that as frustrated about it as that, like, like, I feel like Ty's more normal reaction would have been just, like, get it fixed. Right, like he he wouldn't have necessarily prescribed a specific action of right. how to get it fixed. It would have right. just been like, don't you know? Don't let this annoyance annoy me anymore. Right. Don't know, let like, it
1: happen again. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Like, but like for him to like sort of get in the gate at his face and say, "I want you to go line by line." Like, I feel like even that's a bit of like tie on edge. Mm-hmm. Not that I mean like tie's always on edge. Even more way. so than usual. But like yeah, he, yeah, yeah. like this is like. You know, a tie sort of being pushed to the brink. And so yeah, so like you get all that. But yeah, for the part like what you were saying about um you know, the feeling that there is no break, that it's just the same thing day after day with no reinforcements coming, um, is really more what we see with Starbuck and Racetrack, um mm-hmm. in particular. And and Hilo. So I guess to start with Hilo, like he comes in, and you get sort of the the friendly, you know, recognition of camaraderie between him and Starbuck, Mm -hmm. you know, far cry from when they first reunited back on Caprica, and, you know, they give give that little scene in the, previously on BSG, like, you know, where Hilo's, like, pushing her arm away so she doesn't shoot Sharon. Um,
2: Right, right.
0: Now they've they've worked through those issues, right? They're they're beyond that. they mm-hmm. they trust each other at least, even if Starbuck maybe doesn't trust Sharon still. But um you get at least that or I guess Starbuck does pretty much trust Sharon now because like she helped save her and all that. But like right. but like they've worked through their bits of that. But like now there's this new crop of people who don't know Hilo at right. all. Exactly. Right. And yes. that's part of the point. You have yeah hot dog and racetrack and and whoever else is sitting there and you know this idea that like i mean helo's one of the old school right. pilots like he's he was trained he's or you know uh not pilots but what what's his title again the you know the 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 <laughs> back the back seat you right. know guy in the rafter um you know whatever but like he's still you know he's still an officer he still has had training You know, he's like we've seen, he's certainly more capable than uh, Crashdown was Mm -hmm. and like, you know, all of that. And so, you know, you get that sense of like he's coming in and expecting it to be the same sort of camaraderie that like maybe he still has to some degree with some of the older pilots who knew him. Right. There just aren't that many of them left anymore. Right. (laughs) Like and and now you've got this whole new crop of pilots who. Quite frankly, even though they're the newbies, they're not like they're they're battle hardened now. Like they're right. they're to the point where they've like been doing missions and protecting the fleet and all of that right. kind of stuff long so, enough to
1: be tired and cynical and you know yeah uh, yeah
0: and and distrustful of yeah. Philo and his you know love Cylon um, right so so you get that like you certainly get that sort of animosity between them, but then that, that also manifests in the, you know, same stuff, different day kind of mentality that, that racetrack in particular says like, Oh man, how many times, like I already, I've played with these cards so much. I know every fold and I know what your hand is, you know, just by looking at the back of the cards, right you know, not because they've necessarily been marked, just because, yeah. you know, they've been used so many times. It that has,
1: like, that little crack in the corner that means right. it's whatever, yeah.
0: Right. Um, which, you know, I mean, not that Starbuck is always one who has kept her own cool, but, mm-hmm. like, you know, that sort of along with the little aside comments of, like, you know, implications about you know, Starbuck and Mm -hmm. Hilo Mm -hmm. and their relationship with each other and with the Cylon. Mm -hmm. And you know, like, like, you know, leads to, leads to some issues there, but yeah, a lot of that is not to say that those interpersonal issues don't exist, but like it's exacerbated by the mood, by the overall feeling of hopelessness. And, uh, you know, this, this stuff, not only is stuff breaking down, but there's no opportunity to fix it. Mm-hmm. There's no opportunity to make it better. Right. Um,
1: and even just the sheer like monotony of it, of yeah. even if we can fix it, it's just a perpetual state of fixing things because like you never get anything new or any break. So it's just... Yeah. Keep working on this thing and then when it breaks, you fix it and then you keep working it till it breaks and then you have to fix well, it again and that's their lives is this, like you said, same stuff, different day. And,
0: and yeah, and to some degree, you're right, but like, there's diminishing returns and there's only so right. much that you can right. fix things, which so I think, So far you
1: can push it, yeah.
0: You know, to jump out of order again, like, that's what you see with Tyrol and the mm-hmm. Viper, right? Like, in the beginning where you have you know him, sort of. Like this isn't the first time we've seen him lovingly stroke a uh, uh, ship, right? Wasn't mm-hmm. there? Oh no, that was a uh, that was Boomer. That was actually, Boomer, but it's very she was, Boomer. But it's like yeah. it's very similar yeah. in that in that way of like. And he's having like the flashbacks of Sharon, or at least we assume that they're him having the flashbacks of Sharon, right? Right, like, right. While he's like touching the the metal skin right, of the his vapor. his beloved machines, right, and so. You have, you know, you have Tira looking at this, but then ultimately deciding it's unfixable. You can't fix it. it; it'll be scrapped. Parts of it might go to fix other machines, but this, this one's done. You can't, mm-hmm. you know, do anything more with it. Um, and that, you know, that sort of thing. So that's just general breakdown, like of of the Galactica. But on top of that, you have the Cylon logic bomb stuff doing. So you have like the Getting knocked out again, and and sort of the shorts there in the you know in the CIC, um, you have uh, Lee and Starbucks and Hot Dog at the shooting range, and you know for some reason the computer decides there's too much oxygen, so it pumps right. all the oxygen out, leaves the nitrate. Like that is kind of a funny scene where you have like Starbucks yeah. just laughing at everything, and you real- and you realize oh like it's make, making like nitrous oxide, you know, laughing gas. And and right, right. what's going on here. And and so... Yeah, um, it's a
1: well-done mixture of laughter and it's funny up until it's
0: not, you right, know? Right, um, until you sort of realize what's, what's happening. And so like, okay, they make it out, they shoot out the window. But one of the things I was thinking about, just sort of in, in line with these, the idea here of like fixing things to the point where they just can't be fixed any longer. Kind of similar to the Viper is like, okay, they shot out the window of, of this door that goes to the shooting range, but like they don't, as far as I know, they don't have like a glass factory, you know, on Galactica. Like they don't, they don't have a place where they can like stamp out sheet, you know, glass sheeting and let alone like, like specialized, I'm sure, like, reinforced glass sheeting that's going to, like, hold under pressure and all of that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Like, I mean, maybe in the, you know, uh, we were kind of talking a bit beforehand about, like, we don't know the full makeup of the fleet. Like, we know that there's, like, a tillium refinery. So maybe somewhere in the fleet, there's a ship that can make glass as well. Like, but like, we just don't know that. And so, like, like does this now become, like, does does this one window, like, yeah, you know a uh, 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 breach some of the integrity of the ship as a whole because now that's like one section that you can't like cut off where clearly it was designed to be able to be right. you know cut off and right. have its own Sealed sort of off, pressure yeah. and and that kind of thing like for, for whatever i don't i don't know what reason that is but like it was clearly made to do that and now it can't so like are they able to fix that are they not able to fix that like like there's there's only so many times you know where you can fix something to the point where you know at some point like you can't take your car in for more maintenance it just makes more sense to just get a new car
1: right
0: that works if you can get a new car it doesn't work if you can't get a new galactica <laughs> like yeah. like yeah. you know or you can't get a new viper right um so yeah like there's all these there's all these sort of like realities of of the breakdowns in the galactica itself and um they coincide with mood and i and i like how it sort of plays out because i feel like the whole cylon logic bomb thing mm. works as a kind of metaphor for the mood mm. of the galactica and and they happen kind of in tandem but like but like there is this you know you have these physical breakdowns of the Galactica and the Vipers, and you know all of that, but then you also have all of the emotional and interpersonal breakdowns of relationships, you know, like Starbuck and Racetrack, like Geta and Ty. Are. their relationship was never great to begin with. Sure. But at least, but it at least was it was tolerated. professional. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It was professional before. Right. Now it's right. very not professional. <laughs> right. Um, at least momentarily, and um, you know, Kilo and Tyrell, obviously, some bad blood there, kind of with everything right. that's been going on but like okay granted more on Tero's side than Hilo Hilo mm-hmm. tries to be a bit of a peacemaker maybe knowing or not knowing I wouldn't say I don't I don't know that Hilo necessarily thinks he did anything wrong mm-hmm. but understanding like Hilo is certainly the more empathetic one of yeah. the two I think in this situation Yeah you know at least until tyrell says you know I don't sort of understands like I don't even know why I'm mad at you like right like my Sharon's dead you know you didn't really do anything wrong even though it feels like you did something wrong maybe but like
2: right
0: you know that that frustration you know for for Tyrell has you know come to a boiling point as well just like it is with everyone else on the ship and you know part of that part of that might be because he had to slap a sticker on a Viper earlier that day. And, and it got him thinking along the lines of machines he loved and lost, (laughs) you know, like, (laughs) like, you know, like it, it, it's not an isolated incident, but you know, it, it does kind of add to that overall mood of the Galactica that is, you know, just that mood of loss. And like you said, there's the, it's the long defeat right mm-hmm. like to to go back to the Tolkienian reference of you know that idea that it's still worth it to fight the good fight but how how long are you going to do it and and how effective is it going to be in the long run and are we like it's funny to see Starbuck as the hopeful one right you know what I mean yeah. like yeah. like Starbuck's the one though who's who's the true believer here that that we will find Earth someday, and it's not always going to be like this and it's like when when did that happen? when did Starbuck become the the not you know satirical right. you know uh uh one who's sort of i don't know looking at things at, at in in their worst way kind of thing, but anyway yeah uh so that's that's the mood right, and that's and sort of mixed in with that is the stuff going on with the logic bomb. Um, Oh, and and, sorry, go ahead.
1: Well, you can finish what you were...
0: I I was just going to say, like, there's also, like, part of the mood, although not necessarily part of the logic bomb, but sort of on the same idea of things breaking down is... You have Rosalind getting That's the news exactly that, where
1: I was going to go. Yeah,
0: that her body is shutting down and and she has a limited time. Like right, so there's the, another
1: example of you can't just keep fixing things indefinitely. Eventually, things machines get totaled. Right. You know, um, and, and the machine that she is in has a limited right. lifespan. Um, right. Yeah,
0: the the. Kamala extract isn't doing its job. The conventional treatments aren't doing their job anymore. It's mm-hmm. it's only a matter of time. Right.
1: Um, and, like, a short amount of time. What well, is does he? Doesn't he give her, like, a month or something?
0: Yeah, um, you, right. It's it's a matter of weeks, really. Like, yeah, yeah it's, it's not long. And so, yeah, like, you know, I mean, pretty much, you know, this is, uh, if you have, like, the the three act play structure. This is this is like hardcore end of the second act, right? Like this is like people. I mean, I, obviously we've got a much longer storyline, but like mm-hmm. this would be like that thing where just like everything that can possibly go wrong is going is along.
1: going on. Yeah.
0: Um. So, you know what what to do about it? <laughs> like becomes the problem, mm-hmm. and so, um, like with the Silent Logic Mom there's uh you know there's the potential of using someone like sharon like once they fig once they figure out right like so you have you know baltar and data and adama and they're all kind of talking and like oh you know what's going on and, and baltar is sort of like oh well this is this is a logic bomb it's it's sort of a a learning program that you know it 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 learns mischievously, right, like it mm. learns what are sort of the worst things to do in any given situation, and then does right. them
1: which for the overall idea, I like this blending again of the the human and the machine that just as just as like the humans are like machines that are getting worn down and breaking just like the machines that they use, then on the other hand, you have like the cylons as the machines and like with their computer viruses that are like almost human, you know, like as human as they can be while still being non-human. Like they are, like it says, like it's, it's capable of learning and, you know, uh, testing your systems and figuring out ways to beat it and all these things. So there's this kind of like, you're not quite sure where the line is between the two.
0: Um, and so, So you have Adama sort of trying to figure out, you know, what to do about it and, you know, realizes that, oh, okay, there's a Cylon logic bomb. Huh. I happen to have a Cylon with me. Like, maybe maybe I can use this somehow. But he doesn't know whether or not he can trust Sharon and um, goes to Rosalind for advice. She she says, you know, go ahead. Like, mm-hmm. trust her and, and you know, what else do you sort of have to do? <laughs> like, yeah. like, what else can you really do um, at this point? And so. Uh,
1: well, and it's kind of she gives the same advice of what she did with Sharon, which is that idea of, like, find common ground, find something. OK, you don't believe in or agree with the same things and you might be enemies, but try to find that thing that, you know. Like, and Rosalind used that to exploit her, like, you know, said, like, found the things she cared about and kind of got it to motivate her to do what she wanted. Whereas, But it's the same basic idea of, like, try to imagine, again, a very, like, empathetic thing. Try to imagine what the other person wants and meet them there. Um, yeah. Rather than forcing them to do what you want, think about what they might want.
0: Yeah. Um well, and you know, he he cuts right to the chase with that too, right? Like, I mean, it's either you help us or you die. Sure. And and Which but, is interesting. But not because, just
1: because we'll kill you, but because the Cylons might kill you as well. Like Sure. You know, I mean that idea of we both wanted to live, you know, I think there there's a it's referencing the fact that Sharon's being threatened by the Cylons as well, just, uh, you know, just like the humans are.
0: Sure. What's interesting about that to me, though, is that, like, ultimately that's a human thing, or at least a Mm -hmm. life-affirming thing, which is something that they don't, they don't, they never really want to admit with the Cylons, right, is that they are alive, that they're human, or at least human-esque. And so the, that that very idea of, like, the Cylon wants to live
2: mm-hmm.
0: is a tacit, you know, sort of acknowledgement of the fact that Cylons are alive. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, even, even by recognizing that and, you know, sort of playing off of that, like, he's, he's kind of acknowledging right. that there's life there.
1: Right. Um, All the while he's saying, take this thing back to itself. Right,
0: right. <laughs> Exactly. But, so, yeah,
1: implicitly it's there. Um, um,
0: so, yeah. Well, so there's...
1: and, again, I like, there's a lot of things I like in this episode. I like also when she's in the CIC and, um, you know, those little flashes of humanity. Like, again, without referencing the last episode, she asks Dee for her dad's pocket knife. Which, if we watch the last episode, we know Dee had a strained and... You know, tumultuous relationship with her father, and yet she has her dad's pocket knife in her right, right, in her pocket. Right. Like so, you know, kind of. And Dee's look at Adama, like, what did she do? Like, you're confronted with this. Who probably they've all thought of her as, uh, this machine, this you know thing that betrayed them, and yet here it is. It's like Boomer asking you, "Can I borrow your pocket knife?" Mm-hmm. Um, And, like, that kind of, like, cognitive dissonance there of, like, not knowing how to react at first. Um, Yeah. And that uh, it's very subtle, but Gaeta uses her name, which I don't think anybody else does besides Hilo. Um, You know, when she asks for the cable, um, he says, here you go, Sharon. And she kind of stops and is like, thanks. Like... There's not, like, a big thing about it, but, like, it's there. Just the fact that somebody uses her first name is unusual enough to kind of make her stop for a second. Mm -hmm. Um, So all this kind of stuff in the CIC of how do we react to this? Is this a person and how do we react to her? Um, And kind of wanting to keep a distance from her humanity, but also kind of not being able to really deny it either
0: right right um so yeah there's sort of that irony there of 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 the not wanting to acknowledge but by sort of the the, i mean and that's that's kind of what i don't want to say that like adama approaches it empathetically but like Mm. when you do approach someone as an equal like you do like that's just sort of the thing that you do, right? Like, you ha- you can't you can't treat them as anything other than like that's basically what treating someone as an equal is: is acknowledging their life and importance is the same as yours. And that's, mm-hmm. I mean, of course, then he throws her back into the rig and all of that. So like, it's only temporary, of course, and not maybe full, but but there is that. I don't know. It 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 just becomes a much more. Um, it's just a different way, I guess, than than we've seen the Madama act towards the Cylons to this mm-hmm. point. Um, certainly. Um,
1: well, and um, on the one hand, that's kind of like you know, there's something hopeful there of, Oh, he's growing and evolving. But on the other hand, it's like the, I always feel like there's a lot of ambiguity for me in kind of at the end when like they have that moment where they like lock eyes with each other before she gets sent back to her cell. And it's sort of a thing of, okay, did we find common ground? Do we have some empathy and maybe understand each other and worked together and are maybe on the same side But on the other hand, um, there's something kind of, even though it's treated as like a triumphant moment, there's something kind of creepy about the fact that, like, you're hearing in the background the sounds of, you know, the pilots, like, cheering and hollering as they slaughter all of the Cylons. Like, and you Mm. kind of realize, like, you know, they kind of play that background noise over Sharon. And, you know, for me, it's sort of like, upsetting that her way to find common ground with the humans is to kill all the Cylons, (laughs) you know, like, yes, she wants to live. Yes. They are being attacked. Yes. These are what we're thinking of as, you know, the good guys and Oh, good for her. She's on their side and maybe they'll start to accept her. But at the same time you realize that there's like a cost for that, you know, that in order to be with the humans, she has to be against her own people. You know? Um, And, like, it doesn't have, like, that quality in um, whatever the episode, Hand of God, when they, like, take the Tillium and there's all that, you know, big, happy, you know, it kind of, I feel like it wants to go for that, but then there's something, the way it's, I don't know, shot or directed or the music or whatever it is, it it also has that kind of, I don't know if it's sadness or just ambiguity about, okay, yes, we're winning and that's good. But you're also, you know, again, slaughtering the opposition in the process. And that's, you know, I guess the presence of Sharon complicates that a little bit. Um, Right. Which it should. I mean, like if, if this is an exercise in empathy, then like the more we get to feel for all the different characters, the more torn I think we should feel about what they're doing. And like a straight victory is never just a straight, uncomplicated victory.
0: Um, sure. Yep. Um, all right. So now that we've kind of gone all over the place, mm-hmm. um, which is typical, obviously, but. Um so we talked a little bit about Tyrell. And I feel like so you've got you've got Adama and his sort of working things out with Sharon, and that's healing to a degree. Sure. Um I mean in in a We're way starting
1: yeah, to move in that direction.
0: Yeah, like it's it's a first step anyway, right? Yeah. And and I mean Sharon helps out and she you know, sends a virus back to the Cylons and, you know, uh, they, they, they sort of go limp. And um, I didn't really think about this before, but that's like the fact that like, then the Viper pilots can just go and sort of have a good romp
2: Mm -hmm. with
0: the, with the inert Cylons. Like, you know, it's like, you know, like a kid going to Chuck E. Cheese or something and, like, you know, jumping in the ball pit, right? Like, this is, right. like, like their chance to just kind of, like, go all out and, like, there's, like, zero risk mm-hmm. and they can rack up the kills and, like, just have a day where, you know, they come back completely victorious, don't lose any lives and mm-hmm. are, like, you know, at a high and, and will right. remember... Like that for, like, I didn't even really think about that as like a part of the shift in the mood of mm-hmm. the Galactica, but I, I think yeah. that's there. Yeah. Um, but I think the bigger focus is, of course, sort of Tyrell's realization. Um, it's during his conversation with Lee, I think, right? Where Lee says something like, you know, just do your best. Nobody's expecting a miracle. Mm-hmm. And Tyrell, the the realization is like, well, maybe that's a problem. Maybe we should be expecting a miracle. You know, we're we're in a funk. Yeah. Let's, you know, we need something to really shake us up and like get us out of that. And, you know, what's interesting about that is not that like, like there's a lot of people who say like, oh, well, you know, someone ought to, do X, Y, or Z, and mm-hmm. that'll you know do the mood. Well, you know, Tyrrell's Tyrell, the, the guy who says, No, I'm just gonna start working on this, and if people want to help me, that's great, but that's not like I have a vision, I have a project, I'm gonna start doing it. And like, he gets a lot done on his own, mm-hmm. like, he builds the whole like, like skeleton the frame. and yeah. like, yeah. yeah, the frame, and like, you know, I mean, and apparently before that i mean all right so he he already knows like the vipers inside and out right so like i mean he probably already has a good idea of what a viper looks like you know front to back you know fore to aft and and uh you know but he still has to have some kind of like engineering and plans and stuff like to be working from so like you know, he, he's done all this and, and created it and not only like did that, but, but like changed the design. Like he didn't, he's not just copying, like he, he modifies the design, right? Right. Like they talk about how like the cockpit, the cockpit is back a little bit, you know, further and, you know, whatever. And so, um, yeah, like he gets a lot done, but he gets to a point where he can't do a part by himself and, Mm -hmm. And just like seeing how much he's worked on this, and sort of the passion he's had, and and like I don't know if we get like a number of days that he's worked on it, like like there's a sense of some time passing, right, right, right? yeah. But I guess like so. we don't really know how long he he works on it or whatever. Um, but you get the sense that yeah, there's been like at least several shifts, <laughs> right? Of mm-hmm. people um, have seen him do this, and so we get some people comes over and helps him. You know, the a few things in the place, and then you get like, you know, D comes down and like does the communication stuff. Cause right, that's like people what from different departments
1: and, start showing up, like not yeah. just not just his crew, but right. the, the wider culture of the whole ship. Sort of, you know, Starbuck yeah. and pilots are chipping in. People from CIC are wandering down. You know,
0: yeah, and and you even get like Ty comes in and. Right. Of course, he sort of criticizes it and calls it, you know, whatever. But like, right. Then he follows, you know, Tyrell into where the still is. <laughs> I know a and, still when
1: I smell it. I was like, of course he do. <laughs> right,
0: right, exactly. And and you realize, and that's when you get the the, you know, Tyrell's, you know, making alcohol to trade for parts, like,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, with various people, you know, because that's like like they're beyond the point where they can sort of, like, they've already stripped away all the easy stuff to fix the Vipers, right? Like, yeah. this is, you know, they talk about, like, isn't there some, like, flooring or, you know, whatever, and it's like, nope, most of that's already gone to repair the Vipers, mm-hmm. and so, you know, you don't have that kind of stuff, but um, you know, you, you get, uh you know, you get Hilo with the idea to use carbon composite. I, where they happen to have, like, this extra carbon composite lying around, who knows? But, like, apparently they do, and, right. like, it's something that's not being used for something else, and so it, you know, they're able to use that to skin, you know, the machine. So, you, yeah, you have, like, all of these different people contributing in different ways, and um, you know, some of it's through barter, some of it's through time and experience and expertise and all of that, but um, it becomes not just Tyro's project, but the ship's project, right? This is you know this is the the birthing of a new ship mm-hmm. uh you know and and but it's really you know all of their baby in a way if i can sort of extend that metaphor a little bit and just sure. you know it it becomes you know becomes something that they all sort of have or you know not literally everyone but at least a lot of different people have a hand in and you know have a vested interest in seeing it and then you get you know starbuck who volunteers to be the one to fly it and you know to give the test flight and um it goes well and not only does it go well but it's like it has different capabilities and and in some ways is even better than some of the other vipers they have because it you know it it has a sort of cloaking mechanism and and you can you know fly stealthily uh you know, and, and and that's not something that the other ships can do, and so, right. um, you know, just kind of becomes this, you know, thing that ultimately changes the entire mood of
2: mm-hmm. the
0: ship and um, leads to the, the christening moment, and, and where you have Rosalind, who again is very, you know, just, has just learned this news, but but she's the one who ultimately provides sort of the words of hope you know, to go along with the event of you know, the christening of the new ship. And of course, you know, they turn around and dedicate it to her. And or had already dedicated it to her, which is even more touching right. in a way, right. right? Like that like it wasn't like, oh, because you said these nice things, we're gonna name it after you. It's like you said these nice things, oh, and by the way, we already decided that this is yeah. gonna be named after you. So, you know, anyway, they like just it you know where the first part of the episode is everything falling apart, everything you know being problematic both emotionally and physically and you know technologically within the ship and all of that um, you know there's there's just this complete turnaround where you know the emotions come to i mean might be a little heavy handed i i sort of thought it was a little heavy handed when, uh, well, each time (laughs) that I watched it, uh, when you have, you know, racetrack coming up and sort of, you know, complimenting Hilo on his idea. His good idea. Composite, you know, but, but like, that's like, that's like for people who don't get the point, like this is like, yeah, the, the, the knock on the head to say, this is the point.
2: Right. Um, Right. But
0: but it is the point. Like it, the point is that like you have you know Tyrell and Hilo working together, who were you know three scenes before you know trying to punch each other's lights out, and you yeah. have you know uh, like you know racetrack coming up, and and you have um, you know all the all the knuckle draggers who kind of scoffed early yeah. on, you know coming back and and helping right. out, um, and even like you know, Tyrell's relationship with Callie right. is kind of cold, you know, to begin with, right. but right. then, you know, Callie comes and helps. And there's, there's, you know, sort of a mending there as well. And, yeah. um,
1: and I feel like the moment with racetrack works for me because it's, it is about mood. Like I think what would feel more heavy handed for me, if it was somebody who, um, I don't know, I can't even think of an example, but like where it was a true change in personality, you know, whereas you feel like with the racetrack thing, it's like it's not that she's a bad person. It's not that she really hated Hilo or all. It's just they were like in a funk, like you said, like everybody was just tired and pissed off. And it doesn't mean that they magically love Cylons or are more comfortable with Hilo's relationship with one, but there's this, I kind of feel like in a kind of way inside the story, it's not just for, oh, we know they can work together. It's like, they realize that. And so it's almost like an intentional, you know, let me like make the gesture of congratulating you and shaking your hand and get things rolling so that we can start to kind of work as a team again and get over that hump and everything. Um, you know, sure. like, it's not like it's not like a character who suddenly becomes a different person overnight. It's more about that mood has shifted. And so we're able to appreciate each other in ways that, like, we weren't a couple of days ago or something. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: so... Sure. Yeah. I mean, and that's fine. I don't know. It just, for me, the racetrack thing seemed a little heavy handed, but that's fine. Like, I don't, Sure. I don't think it's bad. Like, and it's only a moment. So like, it's not that big of a deal. Um, Right. But yeah, I mean, definitely, definitely there's that change in mood. And um, so you get like everyone sort of happy and, and cheering and, you know, um,
1: I like the moment when Rosalind pretends to like smash the bottle and everything oh, like, yeah, it, like right. it, a little, that's- little that- subtle humor into it of like, yeah. Oh, we can yeah. laugh about it. We can have like, you know, fun. And You don't think of Rosalind's not like the big comedic relief jokester or anything. So just that kind of moment of lightness from her, I think is good. Mm. Um, yeah. And, and in her kind of, speech and everything it's interesting to kind of like bookend that with the news she got from Cottle and everything because it's not just the speech about it's not just the part about oh chief you've you know built this ship which represents hope and all these things but it's her kind of reassurance of um you know what does she say I don't what do I have to quote here um that uh, we'll get through. She says, uh, and we will get through this, all of us together, I promise. And you realize, like, this is, like, however long since she got this, you know, not diagnosis, but this, you know, news that, you know, she has, you know, a matter of weeks if she's lucky and everything. Um, Which kind of reminds me of... All right, so part of it might be that she believes in the prophecies, so she might believe that if I'm going to die, then it means that we're going to find Earth before that happens. And maybe that's just her faith in, you know, what's, uh, you know, the the divine plan and everything. But I also, it kind of reminds me of, like, again, Adama kind of lying about Earth and, like, you know, kind of saying, like... Uh, Don't despair. I know where it is and we're all going to find it together. Like, you know, the way she says, I promise we're going to find it together. It's like, you can't promise that. And they don't know that, you know, you're not long for this world. Like, I guess her cancer is news now, but not this severity of it and everything. Um, So it's like, it is hopeful, but still, it's like, we're not, we can never quite go back to how hopeful it was earlier on, you know, like I know the show starts with like the destruction of the world and everything, but there's still that sense of, um, she's kind of telling them what they need to hear a little bit. Um, and I think part of her believes it, but part of her is saying what they need to hear, you know, and keeping other, information to herself and everything. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, it gives
1: it, it changes the mood of everybody and it gives a hopeful, happy ending to the episode, but it doesn't change the fact that equipment is still going to break down. You know, resources are still going to run out. Things are still deteriorating. Our mood is better for a little while but there's still that sense you know this isn't a permanent fix this is a band-aid on the situation you know but there's still these underlying problems you know
0: but it but it is it is sort of that idea i forget i can't remember it might not even be it's like it's one of those quotes that like you see attributed to various people and i don't ever really know which one is the right one but right um that quote of like you know attitude is like 10% of what happens and 90% how you react to it right like this sure. is this is that you know switching that 90% of like yeah you know all this stuff is crap and i'm not you know i'm ticked off about it and there's nothing you can do about it or whatever to no actually there is a certain level of control you have over the situation and if you actually think about it there are some creative ways that we can work around some of these issues not to say that we're not going to still have issues right. and whatever but like hey look yes we had a viper that we had to put out of commission earlier today or this week or this month or however long it took you know to build the new one but like we can out of scrap and spare parts mm-hmm. you know build an entirely new one and it doesn 't exactly replace the one that we had it has different you know uh, capabilities and different you know uh, 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 specifications and all of that kind of thing but it it does it doesn't leave us totally abandoned or you know helpless either like mm-hmm. like you know that's that's human ingenuity that's creativity and that's you know if if all you're going to do is sit around and bemoan you know sort of your plight Mm -hmm. then you know that's gonna suck but if if you if you and and you know when you think about it it really is just a change in attitude Mm because it was just it was just tyrell saying maybe we do maybe we should be shooting for miracles and it's like from that moment on he goes from pissed off punching at Hilo Mm -hmm. to actually being constructive and putting his knowledge and capabilities to good use and, right. you know, that kind of thing. So,
1: Well, and it's significant that it's Tyrell, too, because it's not just, he's not, at least in the start of this episode, like, he has had one of the hardest times, they've all had a hard time, but he's had one of the hardest times of anybody, you know, and certainly, like, the Cylon betrayal has affected him, very personally and everything. Oh, yeah. So he starts out the episode not just depressed like everybody else, but, like, seriously angry. Like, the way in the fight with Hilo, it's not just a fight. It's, like, that the way that Tiro kind of catches himself, like, he could kill him. Like, you know, he has to stop himself from, like, you know you kind of realize, like, Hilo thought this was a normal brawl, and then suddenly Tyrells over him with, like, a wrench held at his head. Like,
2: yeah. you know,
1: this he's taking this very seriously and could go to very dark places if he doesn't... So it's like you need someone who's that close to the brink to kind of get the wake-up call and say something needs to change. Um, you know, and then goes... You know, that far in the opposite direction to kind of be clear minded enough to give that motivation to everybody else um. yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: so all that said um, well, yeah, okay, so you get the you get the last scene there right of of Tyrell and Sharon and we don't know what they're going to say to each other but you get you get a sense that this is like you know not not the outcome because it's not like like Tyrell didn't set out to say like okay I'm gonna make a viper and then that's gonna like get me to a point where I can talk to Sharon like mm-hmm. I don't that wasn't like the motivation for any right. of this right but like it does have that effect of like okay now I'm sort of ready to face the underlying issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and may- and maybe that can be applied to the rest of the crew. Like maybe it's like, okay, now that we're in a good mood and like are right. less likely to punch each other, let's talk about the serious problems right. <laughs> that like got us to this point or whatever. But that's right. that's kind of where we, you know, feels like we're ending up with Tiro and, and Sharon at the end there. Um, and obviously we don't, you know, you, you just sort of get the cutaway of, you right. know, picking up the phone and don't actually hear any conversation there. But, um, well, yeah, like, and
1: it, I, I I never thought of this before, but the fact that, I mean, it's, it's a different Sharon than his Sharon, but the way that he and Sharon kind of stay in parallel to each other, and that in the episode, they both save the ship in different ways, you know? Like, hmm. Each in their own way is, you know, instrumental for saving the day and keeping everything afloat, you know, right? literally and mechanically on Sharon's part and kind of more spiritually on Tyrell's part. Um, sure. So it's a nice. I never thought of the ending that way, but then it's nice to have those two kind of come together and have that as you know, again, common ground, you know, and are able to kind of meet and whatever they talk about, have some sort of conversation and, you know, uh, meeting with each other,
0: so. Yeah. And I guess in a way, sort of then contrasting that with how Adama sort of uses Sharon, Mm -hmm. like it's, it's a much better form of reconciliation mm-hmm. <laughs> you know than like you know Adama's like oh well we you know it was our mutual fear of death right the, the mutually assured destruction mm-hmm. aspect and this is like no like now it's the mutual you know respect for life and not just mm-hmm. life but hopeful life <laughs> right like not just mere existence, but, but actual existence with a purpose kind of thing. Right. Um, that Tiro that and Sharon, you know, both together sort of uh, embody. Mm-hmm. Um, so, all of that said, oh, look, there's one last bullet at the end. <laughs> I wonder how did that get there? no um yeah i there? mean a few few minutes maybe for then the title because like like there's a rebirth and so yeah that what does that have to do with the phoenix <laughs> right um well yeah, and not
1: just uh not just any rebirth but like the the rebirth from the ashes like out of destruction comes something what? you know out of the most despairing situation you know comes something new not just replacing it, but born out of, you know, the yeah. destruction in the first place.
0: Right. Um, the, the rebuilding of relationships, the, the finding of hope, and, and also the, the physical creation of a new, you know, type of, of craft
1: mm-hmm. from
0: the parts of the old dead, you know, right. uh, unusable uh, vipers. Hmm. Um. And yeah, and and sort of the the tie-in of like you said before, like the the bird-related stuff, where you have the phoenix and the the blackbird is.
1: Yeah, that's kind of what they. I don't know if that's the model. That's the model name that they give it or whatever. You know, right? If,
0: right. Like, it,
1: if it's a model blackbird and this specific ship is Laura or whatever, that would be kind of my so they never actually, like, call it a phoenix, but, yeah, there's a kind of bird, you know, mm-hmm. symmetry there.
0: So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know that we need to belabor any of the title stuff, but definitely, definitely fits in there. Um, and, and the fact that it does fly. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's not just, the, the episode isn't just the phoenix, but it's the flight of the phoenix. And it's... Right. You know, it, it it rises and it flies. And, and now, again, now there's this new tool of, you know, new stealthy tool that mm. they have. You know, something the Cylons apparently don't have. Like, you know, they always see when the Cylons arrive, but maybe they're not always able to do anything about it. Mm. <laughs> you know, or or they sort of do, you know escape but it's by the skin of their teeth and not always without loss you know so um but this is something the cylons don't have so now you know that in and of itself provides a level of hope as well right you know uh having a new tool and in the fight against the cylons
1: right it's not just pure survival but it's like growth and evolution and you know the improving of not just fixing broken methods, but creating new improved ones. Mm -hmm. And, well, I mean, not to mention the circularity of everything, you know, like all this has happened before, all this will happen again. Like, you know, that the idea of the Phoenix kind of keeps dying and being reborn, that there's, it's not necessarily a one-time thing, that there's a recursive kind of element to it. Um, which is appropriate, I think.
0: Yeah. All right. Um. So yeah. So. We'll uh, we'll, we'll we'll be so actually so we're, we talked about um, where to go next with Battlestar Galactica right um, and where the next episode is, Pegasus.
1: Yeah, which we wanted to mention because I think we're planning on uh, watching the extended episode, which is on the Blu-ray edition of the series. So if people have that, they should watch it because there might be references to things that aren't in the, I don't remember exactly which parts are extended. I should probably watch it both ways. Just so I remember. I mean, I don't think it's a big deal. I don't think we need to sit and pick apart the extended pieces, but I think it's better to watch the, the longer, more inclusive version if we can, you know? Sure. Um, I mean, sure. I'm sure and... they were cut for time. I doubt it. I doubt figuring out which of the extended bits is like the most interesting part of the episode, but. Um...
0: Yeah, and I, I'll be honest, I don't even remember which version I saw originally. Right. So I I don't know that I could um tell, but but yeah, tell we'll def- you, yeah, we'll definitely watch the extended version for uh, yeah the next time.
1: And it's also I think the midpoint. I think it might be the middle of like it's like the last, it's like the mid season hiatus or whatever. Like it's the last episode, and then they are on their break for however many months before yeah. the second half starts. So, um, you know, we're reaching the kind of halfway point of this, of season two.
0: Yeah. All right. So, uh, on to Buffy.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, speaking of episodes that are kind of getting towards the midpoint and starting to have like important things happening in cliffhangery endings and all that kind of thing. Um we get smashed. Which we didn't put a bullet point to talk about the title for this either. So I'm gonna add one at the end so that, you know, I feel like that worked. So okay. let's let's come back to that. So there, it's added. Um I wanna start with uh I mean, really, Willow, it's her ongoing story, but Willow and Amy together, because I think for the most part, you know, they are together and their stories overlap. Um, So we start with, uh, you know, Willow, you know, being lonely, you know, talking about her loneliness, Um, focused on her loneliness, not so much focused on a lot of soul searching as to what exactly went wrong in the relationship. Sure. You know, there's the thing of, oh, we need to get you a companion that you can love and grow attached to until one day they leave you for no good reason. And it's like, okay, wait a minute. Is that what you learned? That's not what I learned. Um, you know, so Willow's very focused on her feelings of abandonment, not really, uh, you know, Not at all concerned with taking Tara's criticism seriously, because what does she do? She realizes that, oh, if I'm lonely, I have a friend, and maybe through magic I can make my friend come back. Um, You know, so yeah, she does her her spell and there's Amy. Um, After, how long has it been? Three years?
0: yeah well i mean yeah i mean they reference stuff that happened at the end of season three for which amy was not around right so like <laughs> you know
2: maybe
1: four years
0: yeah like, other than
1: that like one brief scene where she changed for like two seconds right, and then right, turned right, back
2: right, right, right. um
1: yeah she's been a rat that whole time um and now she's back and willow just says i just realized i could You know, like, which is interesting, like, I would have thought in the writing of it, I would have thought they would have had her, you know, look up a spell, you know, experiment, think about it, draw on something, whatever. And it's sort of like, no, it just sort of pops into her brain intuitively to say like, oh, I wish I could change you back. Why can't I? And she does. Mm -hmm. Um, which again is proving more of Tara's points of like, it's getting very second nature, very, um, not very considered. Like there's not any real research or thought that goes into the process. Um, Mm -hmm. not a real understanding or nervousness of what if she gets it wrong? Um, you know, but at the same time, she does it, you know? So it's also kind of showing her capability and her power, too, that, oh, I realized I could, and I did. Um, it doesn't go wrong. It, it works. Um, so, yeah. A lot of, like, growing more and more, Willow growing more and more impressive, but also, the the implications of that getting more and more like troubling um
0: yeah and without the moderating influence of terror
1: yeah or, or anybody anybody you know sure
0: yeah i mean and i say moderating influence like it, it's that it's moderating by guilt but even like i mean that's why tara left right is because like her presence even became not much of a moderation, uh, moderating influence, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. So, like, Willow, (laughs) in a way, some of Willow's knowledge in magic, whatever, grew because, you know, she figured out tricks to sort of get around Tara's awareness of the magic, like with the forgetting spell and whatever, until that became sure. too big of a right you know issue and and you know Willow made a mistake and got things wrong, and you know that right, the right, but her thing with the tabula rasa and whatnot, but yeah,
1: her talent has been improved by the creativeness of getting around you know these. Yeah. These friends of hers who care about safety and rules and, you know, consent and all these things, (laughs) like, those are nuisances. Yeah, bizarre notions like that. These are nuisances, and she's gotten better by learning how to get around them, like you said.
0: Um.
1: Which, it's jumping ahead slightly, but, you know, the reference to Amy saying, like, oh, I wish I could make my dad forget, and Willow's... Sure. Hey, I know a spell for that and I'm like for God's sake. Like all right, you don't get what Tara's saying. The thing you I cannot understand, I can't like you can't really uh understand or like forgive is did you at least learn not to use that spell because it backfired both times you did it. You know. You know, the first time you just got caught and the second time you all like lost your memories and could have like gotten each other killed and everything um but n- even that even that simplest of cautions is like not on her mind at all, you know, yep. oh, I have a spell for that works like a charm, no problem <laughs> you know <laughs> not she mentions like "Oh, sew so your name into your jacket, but she's not even going into the, oh, here's, like, a potential side effect that you might want to be, like, aware of.
0: Yeah. Or even the fact that, like, she's used it multiple times and multiple times it has backfired on her. Right. Like, like there's no there's no sense of... This is dangerous.
2: I, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's not
0: even, like... I almost said there's no, like, sense of remorse. It's not even remorse. It's no sense of, like, like she's completely out of, uh, uh out of whack or whatever mm-hmm. with with the idea that this can have potentially bad consequences. Like, you know, forget the fact that she hurt her friends with it, mm-hmm. you know, emotionally and whatever. Like, and and lost her girlfriend over it. You know, there's there's a sense of which I think is you know what Tara and and now the others are are talking about is that you know these these spells can go wrong and they can go wrong badly and they already have gone wrong for willow and she still doesn't have any sort of sense of hesitation um or or concern about whether or not um yeah it might not work out so
1: no it made me think of um you know that classic Definition of insanity, you know, like Willow, you're doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results here, you know, Um, she's not learning from the mistakes she's making. She's learning magically, you know, she's growing and becoming more adept at that and more, you know, sort of uh, untutored, like, you know, that she just does it out of the top of her head. Like she doesn't even really need to look at books anymore or whatever, but she's not learning any life lessons from what she's doing. Um, you know, like she's burned her hand and she's just going to reach out and grab that, you know, cookie sheet again. Like it's not registering with her at all. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Not good. And so then, so you get Amy into the mix, you know, so Willow kind of says, oh, it's nice to have another magically inclined friend around. But also, it's like, Amy's not just comfortable with that. It's not just that she's another, you know, witch or someone who does or appreciates magic or whatever. But it's like, you're introducing a friend to the situation who has none of that context, you know? Like... Mm it's nice to have a a magically inclined friend who isn't worried in the same ways that Tara's worried, you know, like it, it fills that Tara void, but also like Amy just comes in and has no real history to draw from in the sense of like, well, we just want to go out and have fun. She's not worried about what Willow is doing or risking or, you know, experimenting with or anything, um, you know, she's just kind of there for the fun, which I think is the attraction to Willow is like all the fun of the magic without the complications of having to be
0: responsible with it. Without those pesky conscience, yeah. you know, things going on in the back of your mind.
1: Yeah. Right. Right. Right, which is, I mean, let's just take a moment to appreciate the shift in the character, you know, um, from where she started, you know. Um, yeah. And, you know, as as someone who started out uh, very aware of consequences to things and, you know, um, and still is, to I mean, she's still, you know, they go out, to jump ahead slightly they go out and party it's not like she's suddenly a different person she's not suddenly like the life of the party she's still that kind of reserved you know somewhat shy person that she was but there's a you know there's a piece of her that's been kind of unleashed here and like Anya says is enjoying the chance to not think about consequences like at all
0: Hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think that's a lot for, for, for Willow anyway, I think that's a lot of what this episode is intended to do. Um, you know, based, you know, to, to contrast, I mean, by bringing Amy back, right. Like immediately we get all of these references to Larry, like Amy knew Larry before, everyone found out he was gay, like, Mm -hmm. you know, and that whole thing, like, and we're like, oh wow, that was so long ago, like, and, you know, this, all of the, you know, school getting blown up, and, and Mm -hmm. Snyder getting eaten by the Mayor Snake, and, you know, all of that kind of stuff, where it's like, oh wow, you know, and so, so I think, in many ways, we're, we're invited to do exactly that sort of contrast, Um, even Willow, pulling out her laptop and, and you get like Xander yeah. saying, Oh, we're going back to basics here. And then she like uses it magically. And you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> like yeah. this, this is not the same Willow. And, and so, right. yeah, I think, I think you're right. Like that, like if we're not contrasting that stuff, then I think we kind of missed the point of this episode for mm-hmm. Willow to see, you know, to see what's going on there. And yeah, like, you're right, she's not necessarily the life of the party, and you know she does kind of just sit at the bar and has her drink and
2: mm-hmm.
0: whatever, but like she's also she's also the one sort of running things like mm-hmm. kind of literally because her she and Amy are doing the magic and and making people you know oh they don't like the band, so they switch the band, they don't like the guys who are annoying her, and oh by the way since when did random guys just come up and ask her to dance in the past you know like mm-hmm. like there's that sort of thing too where it's like something about her at least sort of puts her in in notice and then you know she also has sort of the power to now not have to deal with things that she might have you know had to or been at least more willing to deal with in the past and that kind of thing so right um, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, so like, I definitely, I definitely think for Willow, that's a lot of what, the, like just even by bringing Amy back, but then by some of those other references, like when's the last time we were even at the bronze? I, I don't remember. I mean, maybe not that long ago, but like,
1: I it's mean, not, it's I feel not like,
0: the yeah. regular hangout that like right. it right. used to be. You know
1: what I mean? Right. I mean, occasionally you'll see one of them there, but they don't really go as a group anymore. Like, it's like if you want to be alone and sad, maybe like one of them will go to the bronze and like drink alone at the bar, that kind of thing. But like, it's certainly not the group hangout. You know, it's this is the first time I feel like we've had it as like a party destination in a while. Um, Yeah. So. Yeah, um, yeah, and and not necessarily, uh, you know, I mean, Willow's still kind of hampered by those same old, you know, I guess, insecurities, but behind the scenes, you know, yeah. being all kinds of in control and confident and manipulative and everything, and like, um, sure. you know, um, you know, enchanting the whole party to her liking until until they get bored, you know. Um, I just thought of her saying bored now, you know, like <laughs> right. like it's the, it's a little bit of the vampire willow of I'm going to play with stuff until it bores me and then we'll go somewhere else and find something new and shiny to, to play with, you know. Um, not really seeing the life or the agency of the thing that you're you know, manipulating and everything.
0: Right. And and just thinking that the only reason it or or they exist is for your own pleasure and enjoyment, like yeah, 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 yeah.
2: Um,
1: yeah well, and I guess with that too, the fact that um, it's not unnoticed by the rest of the group, like Giles and Tara were really the two who were most bothered by it and, or at least were the most vocal about it. Um, And they're gone now. So there's this sense of the, the two who were willing to really speak up, you know, have said their piece and have left. Um, And I mean, it's the reason that Tara left. It's not quite the reason that Giles left, but I don't think it helped, you know, like, Sure. I mean, Giles had other reasons for leaving, but you kind of got the sense of like, he was very upset about it. And it could have easily been part of his reasoning of, you know, uh, you know, wanting to sort of be someplace else and everything. Um, so there's this kind of thing of like, it's a little bit of the others are aware of the issue, but it's a little bit of a taboo subject, you know, except for Anya. Um, you know, nobody's really willing to confront it. Um, you know, Buffy doesn't really totally see what the problem is. Um, Mm -hmm. Xander sees a problem, but isn't necessarily going to be as assertive about it as, you know, he'll kind of hint and suggest and say like, oh, it's nice to see the laptop out, like trying to encourage her to get back to being like the the good old Willow and everything. Um, sure. And I feel like Anya will come out and say it. It's just that it doesn't have the personal weight that it did for like Giles and, you know, and right. Tara, like right. with them, you really felt like they deeply cared about Willow and were personally offended by what was going on. Whereas like Anya is more like annoyed than anything else. Like this is a, this is a thing which she's kind of just frustrated that we're all bothered by it, but we can't talk about it. Um, Yep. So, but it's not like the rest of them are totally like in the dark either. Like they're certainly aware of it and, you know, it's going to cause some strain eventually, I
0: think. Yeah. Certainly seems that way. I'll I'll refrain from talking about what will happen but yeah no yeah. I think you're right like there's definitely I mean they've all commented on it and even sort of Buffy kind of begrudgingly acknowledges maybe that something might be going on but mm-hmm. seems like le- a little less uh willing to criticize Willow maybe directly but yeah. right um Buffy does want to talk to Willow about something else, though, in the beginning.
1: Yes. Um, Yeah, she tries to talk to Willow about uh, what's going on with Spike. So part of Buffy's reluctance to to criticize, you know, (laughs) has to do with her own choices. You know, Buffy's very aware that Willow's not the only one kind of pushing the envelope a little bit. Um, Sure. So, there's this whole kind of sense of Buffy being very careful not to be a hypocrite, you know in this episode, which kind of suggests that she knows that what Willow's doing is you know dangerous, you know, but that it's more her own feelings of guilt or whatever that are really keeping her from being honest about you know how serious it is and everything um But she doesn't get to tell her because Amy walks in. So you have, it doesn't become like a fight or anything, but you have the sense of like their friendship and their honesty with each other being a bit, uh, hampered by Amy's presence. Like, you know, suddenly there's this new friend, you know, Mm. who likes magic and likes to party and doesn't give me a hard time. So there's this kind of thing of, without h- h- coming out and saying it, Willow kind of giving preference to that new friend instead of, you know, her and Buffy really, like, you know, giving each other their full attention and everything.
2: Yeah. Um, which, yeah. again,
1: we've seen in the past when they're not unified when they're not together when they're not honest with each other this is when problems start
0: (laughs) (laughs) right right yeah no there's definitely there's definitely a a sense of falling away here Mm -hmm. and and like not just i mean I would say not even just between Buffy and Willow. And and it's kind of funny because like when you, now that Giles and Tara have both left and you even have like Dawn, who's kind of off with Tara this episode, right? Like, right. so, so except for Anya, it's like you have that one scene where you have Buffy and Xander and Willow mm. and Anya, you know, and it's like, when has it just been sort of the core hmm. group
2: like right. in a long time like yeah. it
0: it yeah just the three plus Anya, you um <laughs> you know but like right. like i i don't necessarily want to make too much of it but like it does throw like when you sort of yeah cut away those others like you do sort of like throw into contrast again that like like there's actually a lot of stuff still here to kind of like they they haven't still fully resolved the oh yeah by the way i was in heaven thing Mm -hmm. um and part of that's because willow's just kind of like ignoring everyone else and doing her own thing Mm -hmm. magically and i mean they spent you know half the last episode not even knowing who each other were Mm -hmm. um and you have you know now you have you know willow kind of just like ignoring everyone else like you said like just kind of going off with her her new old friend Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know um and and as equals now because like the other thing is that when amy was around before amy was a better Mm -hmm. you know witch than willow was and had a lot more magical knowledge and stuff and now now willow has caught up in the intervening years and and they are you know sort of partners in crime so to speak um so yeah there's definitely that that sense of and and like i mean xander you know sort of opposite advice but what's he doing he's hanging out of the magic shop with with anya like i mean right that's that's his thing now like he's not he's not really like he you know what did he have to do before well, he would go to Buffy's or to Willow's house. Like, you know, and they would hang out. Like, now he's kind of not around because he's engaged and he's spending right. time with, you know, with his fiance and stuff. And so, I don't know. It's just that.
1: Yeah, I I didn't notice that consciously. But it's interesting because you could kind of see it as, or you could do a version of it where it's like, the core Scoobies, you know, the the, the the trio or the soul triptych or whatever you want to call them, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, our core three are back together, you know, but it doesn't feel like a, a comforting thing or like a triumphant return in, in that way. Like, it feels like it feels like a lessening. It feels like...
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, look how the the group has grown over the past several seasons, you know, right. and suddenly it's shrinking again, you know, and that doesn't feel good and nostalgic. It feels like bad
2: it
0: feels kind of weird. It feels like, weird.
1: And it feels yeah. like it's going to be a problem. Like you feel, you know, the loss of that moderating influence with Tara and the loss of all the wisdom that Giles brings that they're just kind of sitting around looking at books like, well, I don't know. What do you think we should do? (laughs) Like, you know, like there's a loss of, you know, direction that Giles and focus that like Giles would, you know, bring to the group and everything. Um, Yeah. And it, it, it doesn't feel like, Oh, cool. The, the, the old Scoobies are back together. It feels like, wait a minute, where is everybody? You know? Mm. Um, and suddenly the old, you know, the, the group of three plus Anya doesn't really feel like enough anymore. Right. You know? Um, right. Like if it it feels like there's people missing. So um, it has a kind of, which I didn't, again, I didn't really think of that consciously, but when you're talking... I feel like it definitely sort of registers on a kind of, you know, subconscious level or something. Um.
0: Yeah. Well, and yeah, I mean, and it's, I mean, it wasn't all that long ago that you had the whole, you know, end of season before coming together, you right. know, to create super Buffy, like, you know, I mean, yeah, a lot's happened since then and, and you don't necessarily, you know, with all this stuff that they've gone through, you know, Joyce dying and Buffy dying and everything else that's happened, you know, even even just the existence of Dawn and dealing with all of that. Like, mm-hmm. like there's definitely a lot of stuff, so you don't necessarily expect it to have been stagnant that whole time, but, but it's such a, a far cry from where they were a a year and a half ago or whatever you know Mm -hmm. anyway
2: yeah
1: so to stick with Buffy so she tries to kind of bring up her issues with Willow doesn't really go anywhere she lets it go and that's her like one attempt to like share which is like again didn't occur to me but now that I think about it The first time Buffy's really tried to share anything intimate with anybody besides Spike, like this whole season, like since she's come back, um, Mm. it's been episode after episode of that emotional remove of her being kind of feeling emotionally cut off of being alone with her thoughts, not feeling like she, you know, belongs anywhere or knows what happened to her all these things and this is like the one time she kind of said to one of her friends can i talk to you about something and then Mm -hmm. you know doesn't follow through with it and everything um so you know that doesn't go anywhere she spends the rest you know again continuing to work out these issues either on her own or with spike um Although she'd rather be working them out on her own. Spike is now, you know, there's this escalation over the last several episodes of, you know, like they kind of have an emotional connection early in the season. And then, you know, they have their big romantic kiss at the end of Once More With Feeling. Um, And then they kind of backed off. And by the end of the last episode, you know, they're making out in, you know, the corner of the bar or wherever they are. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, now, okay, we're splitting further apart again, but, you know, obviously there's more escalation here.
0: Right.
1: Um, But it kind of starts with the, the refrain we've had for the last couple episodes of Spike wanting to keep escalating and to keep doing what they're doing and to keep going and be sort of with each other and Buffy not feeling that way. Um, Or at least not wholly. um, You know, obviously she keeps going back. So there must be some part of her that does want it, but there's also a part of her that, you know, is disgusted by her own behavior and everything
0: sure i mean as as happens in relationships from time to time like i mean and i don't you know i've certainly i've can't say that you know i've certainly known people i guess maybe who Mm -hmm. you look at and you wonder like why why does this keep happening and Mm -hmm. and there's plenty of sort of pop psychology reasons that you could throw in the mix or sure. whatever, but um, yeah, I mean, she, I agree. Like there, there must be something that keeps drawing her back. Um, whether it's the things that Spike says they are, you know, is, is we can debate, you know, mm-hmm. things like, you know, even, even like in the, in, once more with feeling where, you know, he's sort of talking about their shared darkness and, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. And you can, you can even go back to angel. Like, you know, is, is you know, why, why are teenage girls drawn to, you know, broody mm-hmm. men, older men, you know, like, right. There's some of all of that maybe in there, but you know, whatever it is, like, I agree. Like regardless of the reasons that are, secret to Buffy and and maybe even secret from Buffy (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, to a certain extent. Like, you know, there's, there's certainly some, something that keeps drawing her back in. Um, So, yeah. I, 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 that wasn't like, I realized like, as I got to the end of what I was saying there, there's like really no great revelation. I'm kind of just restating what you said. So apologies for, for, for doing that maybe, but um. But yeah, no, I I guess that's all just to say I agree with
1: you. Yeah, well, and I think you're right that in some, to some extent this is secret from Buffy as well, that you know, there's an element of she doesn't understand her own you know desires and motivations to a certain extent. You know, it's all of those things and yet also other things that she can't even really
0: yeah.
1: fully put into words probably.
0: And I didn't, I haven't really thought about this in particular before, but like, I wonder to what extent to, is it the fact that like the other people are pulling away Mm -hmm. and like, I would even say like, you know, from the beginning of the season you had, you know, like, remember she first revealed to Spike where she was and why she was sort of feeling down. You know, and Mm -hmm. we talked a lot about mood in the Battlestar Galactic episode, but there's kind of a a longer play version of the whole mood thing Mm -hmm. going on in Buffy with with her attitude and whatever. And I feel like like it's lessened even since once more with feeling like Mm -hmm. it's lessened to some degree where she's not quite as pissed off about being alive as she used to be.
1: (laughs) Right. Um, There is a little bit of catharsis that happened there and.
0: Yeah. And, and maybe it's just because like now she has this whole spike thing on her mind or whatever, but there's also, you know, some of that has, has caused a rift and, you know, not, it's not just her, but it's also the stuff that Willow's doing or whatever. And like we talked about with Xander that he's, you know, spending more time with Anya and not really spending time with either Mm -hmm. of them. And, and so... So maybe that in and of itself is like, okay, well, who's around? Oh, there's Spike again. Okay, why not? You know, like right. like there's there's no one else around, so
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, sure. Um Yeah, and, and it just becomes a uh maybe a misery loves company thing and, mm-hmm. and also sort of a you know the more you get used to someone, the more you kind of are, you know, don't push them away and just kind of, you know, become accustomed to their being around and that kind of thing. So right. I don't know. There, There's, again, like you could probably do lots of little psychological things there, but mm-hmm. but I do feel like, like there is just that, just the fact that like there is that general... Drifting between them, Giles is gone. Tara's gone. Not that Buffy hung out a ton with Tara anyway, but like, there's just there's fewer people around, and the ones yeah. that that are are kind of not around. Yeah, <laughs> you right. know. So, um, yeah,
1: yeah. Well, and to throw into the mix of influences, there's also the thing that again Anya says talking about Willow, but that Buffy seems to uh have some affinity with about you know it's the responsible ones you have to watch out for and um you know this idea of just like willow there's something uh you know tantalizing about doing something you know is not a good choice you know like the very the very kind of dangerous unhealthy aspect of it is part of what is appealing about it um you know a little i mean which kind of you know after what she's been through you know there's that kind of reckless you know aspect to how she's sort of behaving and everything Mm.
2: um yeah
1: you know which you know, and Spike will just kind of say it's all of it, you know, because, like, he kind of talks about, like, their uh, their shared darkness and, and mm-hmm. that she likes the dangerous types and the bad boys and all that kind of thing. But he also, like, will say the really, like, mushy stuff of I love you, you know, like, so there's a part of him that really at least wants to think of this as something genuine like yeah he'll tell her things like um you know you know oh you're doing this to be angry or whatever like to kind of spite her but there's also a part of him that wants to you know explore the idea that they actually have you know a real connection as well Mm. um
0: yeah well and it's that you know thinking even way back to like drusilla um who says oh oh yes we can we can love we vampires can love if if not wisely Mm -hmm. right like this is this is spike's you know version of of that maybe um right he he knows it's not right and i mean he said that before. Like, I, I know it's not, you know, a smart thing to do, but it's, it's, it's who I am, and, and right, it's well, how and that's, I feel.
1: and he's totally fine with that. You know, it's, you know, right. it's Buffy who's saying, like, um, you know, what's the exchange about? I'm in love with you. You're in love with pain, and he says, "Hello, vampire. I'm supposed to be on the dark side. What's your excuse?" Like, right. he's, he's fine with that. That's not. That's why he doesn't feel any conflict is like, just embrace it, you know, do what you feel and don't, you know, kind of saying like, just like Willow's being tempted to just do what feels good and consequences, you know, who cares about them? Um, you know, Yeah. whereas yeah. Buffy is still clinging to this idea of, there's a right thing to be doing and there are you know consequences to these actions and decisions and everything yeah um okay but anyway so she's trying to rebuff him he's getting more and more uh frustrated um Mm -hmm. by that so uh you know they have this you know argument where they end up you know punching each other a couple times as they do um, and he realizes that it doesn't hurt his chip when he punches her. Um, and he kind of fakes, like badly fakes the pain just so that mm. she won't notice. And then he kind of gets that, hmm, that intrigued little smile. Um, right. and he, so he goes, you know, tracks down the, the trio, uh, to get his chip scanned and see uh, what's going on. Um, You know, which is like, there's some funny stuff in there of them kind of, you know, thinking of it as a, you know, exchange of, you know, like an alliance and it's really not, it's really just them doing what he tells them and he, you know, threatens their, their Boba Fett doll. And, um,
0: (laughs) And we get a good little Doctor Who reference.
1: A great little Doctor Who reference. With The best part is Spike's like, look. Just his yeah. totally unamused kind of stare. Um, right. Which, yeah. Um, for obvious
0: reasons, I got,
1: you know, I was amused by that. Um,
0: <laughs> um, yeah, right. And come to find out from Warren that uh, who 's really intrigued by the whole chip thing um, sure well he 's
1: like he 's like the tech one right like that makes right. sense like he 's the one who 's he's right. the one who's, the he's the one who's of
0: built the sex building a i and, uh, yeah.
1: and all that kind of thing yeah
0: uh and so uh he he finds out that it 's working whatever it 's supposed to be doing it 's doing it and and you know there 's nothing wrong at least from spike's end of things which yeah has some interesting implications then for buffy right Mm. about her return uh from death her, her magical return from death so this is something too that i don't think we ever really discussed much when she came back but maybe this is a good point to just sort of do a little quick aside um is that her first death way back at the end of season one, right. Mm -hmm. Um, when Xander revived her, right. With CPR and whatnot. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Uh, I mean, that was, it was a natural death and it was a natural return to death or return to life. I mean, you know, like it was sort of your standard, you know, CPR, get the heart going again, like, like much, you know, more a mechanical function. Um, in this case, there's, you know, it, it, it's pretty much completely opposite. Because at the end of last season, you have, you know, Buffy jumping into, like, a magical portal. And granted, her body falls through and, like, she dies. But you get the sense that, like, it's not the fall that kills her, right? right. It's, like, the contact with the portal and, right. you know, all of that. And... Uh, when she comes back of course there's there's a magical element to bringing her back and mm. you know reanimating her body and all of that yeah. and so um yeah just like even even that whole aspect of her returning to life is is very different and has that magical aspect and so i mean we don't get any reasoning for you know what swike says about like her coming back wrong or whatever Mm -hmm. and and we don't necessarily know if he's right right you have to take that with a grain of salt you know or any of that but but just you know did want to at least point out yeah you know that there that this is it is a different type of death and it's there's a magical component here
1: Mm
0: -hmm. um that right wasn't the case you know first time around
1: Well, and it's Spike who kind of warned them, you know, at the beginning when they bring her back, which was like, there's always consequences, you know, Um, which, okay, I feel like we've seen some emotional consequences, like consequences in trauma to what, you know, she certainly has, you know, paid in that sense, but I feel like we haven't yet seen like, that's not really what Spike meant, you know, like what he meant was, okay, you know, the magic for itself, every action, yeah. there's a reaction. And, and if you do magic over here, there's, it's going to have a magical effect somewhere else. And it might not be something that you like. Mm. Um, So yeah, this is the first we're really seeing of that. I feel like where, you know, um, Where, like, potentially there's some damage that's been done. Um, Although, again, that might be taking it too far because we don't know what this is. This is all based on Spike, who's not exactly an objective, uh, you know, messenger. You know, this is Spike taking some thing that he observes and applying to it Things that are specifically designed to hurt Buffy, you know, like, you know, he notices that he can punch her. Therefore, since I can only punch demons and therefore, since I'm kind of angry at you anyway, I will tell you that you're less human than you were. Um, But that's coming out of Spike's mouth. That's not like, you know, necessarily the only interpretation that you could give to it Mm. maybe she's divine you know maybe she's more human than she was you know maybe it's a sure an amplification rather than something else i don't know i'm just pointing out that it's a biased account um so you know but it obviously affects buffy the way it's intended and makes her angry and upset um you know, and gets them uh, interacting and fighting again, which is really what it was supposed to do. You know, it's like ignoring him is not going to work. They have to just, you know, uh, he's going to kind of keep them in conflict and fighting and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, So.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so they end up, you know, their relationship is now like pretty much wholly consists of either fighting or, you know.
0: Or the other. Or
1: the, the, the other. There you go. Uh, <laughs> the other extreme. So the yeah. two are like interconnected now. Like there's kind of no separation. So it's like, you know, uh, the fighting and, you know, the other thing are happening kind of at the same time. You know, all the while, like, the building is, you know, crashing right. down around them and crumbling and everything and, you right. know.
0: Th- this is not making love. It's not right. making anything. It's destroying. It's a sure. Des- it's a destructive act, or so the metaphorical falling down of the house around them would imply.
1: Right. Well, there's something, it's funny, it kind of reminds me of, like, BSG and everything. It's like... The, the structure as, you know, in sympathy with the characters and everything. Um Like, but there's also, I mean, yes, I guess it's destroying, but also it's like, I guess they, in their fighting, bash up the house, which is why it's falling down. So it's a des- it's a destructive act. But also, like, there's a sense of, well, everything's crumbling around us, so we might as well sort of cling to each other anyway, you know? Like, there could be a kind of, like, positive aspect to it of, you know, if the house is, like, our lives and everything is falling apart, then all we can kind of do is really come together in the face of that. Um, So it's, like, I don't know... I feel like it. It could be both or either. I don't know quite how to. You know. Sure. Is this making us feel better or worse? I don't know. (laughs) Is kind of the answer to the question.
0: Well, we we might not have to wait too long to see how it makes Buffy feel. That's true um, because
1: we don't have to wait a week. We can.
0: That's right. We're
1: not skipping an episode.
0: Um and actually i 'll just mention it now there 's um <laughs> that that ending I always feel uh is sort of drawn out right with the with the house falling down. It was originally even longer <laughs> <laughs> um and was apparently pared down a bit um, but yeah um there's actually a YouTube you know, video out there with like this sort of full ending. Oh, um, interesting. And and yeah, I mean, it just you know whether whether you need to have that or not. Like this is not right. I mean, we've we've not not to be crass about it, but like you know, this isn't the first time that we've sort of seen Buffy having sex with the men on screen, right? You get like the mm-hmm. the original. You know, uh, innocence and surprise with with Angel, mm-hmm. and then you get like, you know, her and Riley. Well, you get her and uh, oh, what was what was the first dude there in college? Oh um,
1: shoot, I can't think of his the,
0: name. The, the, yeah, the guy who sort of we've snub, forgotten him. Her. That's
1: how
0: right you know, and and then you get he was. you get her and Riley, and there's of course the the metaphorical episode of the house that you know. Right. Has sort of the poltergeist of, you know, the, the, the sexually repressed. Right. Uh, right. Where it's like the whole episode. Um, Right. (laughs) With her. Right. 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 They just keep going and going and going. And then, uh, you know, now, now you have this. And and like this, as unhealthy as that was like that, it was at least like there were external forces like going at here. Like, Mm -hmm. like this certainly seems to be like the least healthy, uh, version of that. Um, yeah you know stuff going on so i don't know it again we'll we'll see how she feels about it how spike feels about it and and all of that but Mm. um yeah uh all right so we mentioned the trio and the chip we Mm. didn't really talk about the trio beyond that and i don't know that there's a ton to say sure um
1: yeah, I mean, just a reminder but, that they're out there and uh, yeah, working their their lame little mischief, as the others say. Yeah.
0: Like, although you know, we we call it lame, but at the same time, like they froze a dude, you know, like sure. like they have a freeze gun, right? A freeze ray or whatever. Um, they're you know, they are kind of bumbling and idiotic about how they do things, but you know, they have this freeze gun and they stole a diamond Mm -hmm. and you know that's apparently phase one of a larger plan right you know and they haven't been caught yet so like as silly and bumbling as they are there's a certain efficacy Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know to their evil if you want to call it that like it's it's like you can't really say that with a straight face because like they are so bumbling and stuff, but they're, you know, again, like there's, it's working to mm-hmm. some degree at least. So, you know, don't want to maybe dismiss them out of hand, but, right. uh, right. yeah. Anyway, just wanted to make sure we at least talked, you know, or at least mentioned them mm-hmm. in their dastardliness. Mm-hmm. Uh... Well, and then yeah, like okay, so you you put a bullet in at the end for the title, um, and you get like the smashed house at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll I'll note that the title of the next episode is wrecked. <laughs> um, you know, so you know we're, we're this is we're, like it's a theme now, right? Like two makes a theme at least, right? right. Um, so we've got smashed and wrecked. You know, we're we're not talking about building things up here yeah um it is sort of the middle of the season well maybe uh what episode we're, I? I guess we're we we're, we're coming up to episode nine this is episode nine, this is nine coming yeah. up to 10 so yeah so so getting close to yeah. sort of mid-season we're we're at the end of november time-wise here november 2001 so you know coming up on Maybe one more episode or or two in in mm-hmm. December, and you know, then a little break until the new year. So, um, yeah, like like we're le- we're leading into some stuff here, maybe. But uh, yeah, yeah. Don't want to don't want to give anything away. So we can we can leave it at that. Um, cool. But, but sounds uh, good. But yeah, as as so as we mentioned, we are going into so Angel has a bit of a break at this point they uh you know we we talked about you know where we left off with him you know sort of walking away from uh uh holtz in the alley with his brand newborn son um and and they're gonna leave us there for a few weeks well you know they have their winter break but uh right. buffy has another episode here and since we're watching in uh sort of the original airing order we'll uh we'll go on with that
1: yeah and uh sounds good
0: yeah okay well cool then uh we'll be back we'll be back next week with rect and uh the the extended version of pegasus
2: sounds good see you then <laughs>